the call for the Christian is to become fully formed. It's to become a whole image bearer um, and a reflection of Christ as much as we can here on earth. That's the call for, for every Christ follower. And part of that is to become formed as a body, as a mind, as a heart, as a spirit, all those things together. And that's a really complicated answer because I think it's a really complicated issue. This episode was recorded prior to the COVID-19 pandemic. Some aspects discussed may not be relevant in our current context, but we hope this can still spur discussion and provide content in this difficult time. As always, you can visit ptc.sh slash talk to someone to find support from any of our online mentors. Welcome to Undiscussed. My name is Eric. And I'm Caroline. And this is the show where we talk about things that Christians should talk about, but often don't. And today we're joined by a really wonderful guest. Um, She's a writer, she's a blogger, she's an author. Her name is Lori, Lori Ferguson Wilbert. Yep, I got that right. I had to look at my book. (laughs) And don't get it wrong. Don't call her Lore. It's Lori. Um, If you call her Lori, you're doing it wrong. So everyone who's read her on the blog, it's not Lore. It's Lori. But welcome. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're really excited to have you. We, both of us, have actually just finished reading your book, Handle With Care. Um, Amazing book. We've thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, but how would you kind of describe what your book is about, what you write about a lot? Because you have your blog, your site as well, too, called, and I'm probably going to say this wrong, it's Sayable? That's okay, right. Okay, perfect. We're just nailing it today. <laughs> we should retire right now. We're done. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Lori. Um, yeah, so I think, like, I I think that I, I tell everyone this a couple of people told me before I started writing the book, there are two kinds of people who write a book. One is an expert who knows everything and they're just trying to teach everyone what they know. And the other is someone who has no idea and they're just trying to write through a subject. And so I was the second. I have not given my body or the bodies of others very much attention at all in my life. Um, and I think I came to a period of time where I realized we are, I mean, it's just messy in the church. You've got the the hashtag church too. You've got the hashtag me too. We're messy around these things. We don't, we're just kind of scrambling, trying to put together ideas about, about what to do in the face of, you know, reports and things like that. Um, and I thought, man, we just don't really have good theology on touch. Mm. And that kind of like pulled me into, I think there is, I think the historic church has a lot to say about the theology of the body um, and so I just kind of joined those topics and in handle with care and just talked about how we should handle our own bodies with care and how we should handle the other bodies around us with care. So mm. that's kind of the, in a nutshell, the book. Wonderful. And if you caught it there, our topic today is touch and the, the body, the body, theology of touch. To yeah. And, uh, we're really excited to have Lori here. Um, I wonder if before we could dive in, we could just like get to know you a little bit better. Like, uh, I know one thing about you that you said just before you have a dog. Uh, and so I'm curious about, we talk a lot about pets here, uh, (laughs) because, uh, I had a previous co-host Pat 
and uh good friend of ours good friend of ours shout out to pat shout out to pat (laughs) and he while we started recording our podcast he got a dog named zoe and zoe was a he she was like a a third co-host on the podcast seemingly she came up a lot so pets have been from the very uh inception of this podcast have been a part of it so I would love to know. Do you want to hear about my pet? Yeah, I would, I would love to Please. start there. And you, you're not just a dog <laughs> owner, but like. W- uh, yeah, she's, um, and I, she's, it's really interesting because I think uh, I don't know that any other human has touched me as much as my dog has touched me. Aww. And I think that's probably true for a lot of people, right? Like we're just, you know, we snuggle with our pets all the time, far more than we snuggle with our humans. Um, yeah, she's a soft-coated Wheaton Terrier. She's a total delight, and she has terrible separation anxiety. So <laughs> she's whining in the other room. Um, I have a husband named Nate who's really – we married late. He was 38, and I was 34. I mean, that's late for – For Christians. South. Yeah, for Christians <laughs> in the South. I was like, but, that's um, kind of my parents' age when they – Yeah. 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 Um, uh, yeah, and we, he is a gift to me, and um, we are uh, part of the Anglican Church in North America right now, and we currently live in Texas, um, and we are not from Texas, and there's a saying down here that you're not from Texas, but Texas wanted you anyway. Um, <laughs> we feel like we've been a little bit trapped in the in the wilderness for 40 years here in Texas. It's not our, it's not our home, but we're grateful to be here. God's done a lot in both of our lives here. And so, yeah, and I'm a writer. I started writing back in the old Zanga live journal days when I was a 19 year old, um, 20 years ago. Yeah, (laughs) a long time ago. Um, And have just continued doing that for the past 20 years. And I really love it. It's been, it's been I, I talk about it as like a spiritual discipline for me. So it's not just a an outlet um, or practice. It's really a discipline for me uh, to cultivate um, wordsmithing and working out my salvation on the page. So that's a little bit about me. Cool, very cool. Now I won't try to get you to narrow it down to one book, but do you have like a series or an author or that you, as a writer that you look to as like a fave uh, or a go-to? Yeah, so I would say I grew up, so I I first knew I wanted to be a writer when I was 13 and I read a Madeline LaEngle book called Troubling a Star. And I just thought, that's what I want to do with my life. I want to write books um, or I want to write. But I think as that I've gotten older, I'll be 40 this year, and I think as I've gotten older, I've I've just really gravitated toward Eugene Peterson. Um, I think he has a really pastoral quality to his work. He really, he talks about it being like a careful shepherd of words, like full of care and um, in the way that he shepherds his words. And I think that encapsulates kind of where I am as a writer is I just... I'm probably more restrained in my um, writing than I ever have been in a lot of ways, and yet, and more careful about what I write because I want to be, I want to care for people in my writing and not just sort of write out whatever it is that I'm like an outlet. It's not an outlet for me anymore, if that makes sense. Hmm. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. That's fascinating. Yeah, and I, like, I like full that. of wisdom too. So, 
which I think I've garnered as I've followed you on Instagram and seen a bit mm. more as you're a woman of lots of wisdom, which is a wonderful quality to have. But yeah, I kind of just want to dive in since we have you for such a limited time. And this is such an interesting topic to talk about the body, to talk about touch. I think especially, I mean, you guys are in Texas, so I'm sure this is even more magnified. It's not something that usually is talked about enough in the church. And so, yeah, it's not at all. And so I'm really curious of like, how did this kind of journey for you start when it comes to understanding the body and touch? Like how, what is your personal experience with the body and with touch? Yeah. So the whole, I mean, the, the, the first chapter of the book is, is my story and it, it goes through like kind of the chapters of my life in a, in a way, this sort of young as a young child, as a young adult, as a, um, you know, full-fledged twenties in my twenties and my thirties and marriage and singleness and dating and, um, grief and all those things. And so I think we're all, we're all touching things as we go through life. And I think most of us probably aren't thinking about the ways that we're interacting with other bodies. I wasn't, um, until I would sort of stumble across a sin or uh, kind of have my hand slapped away from something. I mm-hmm. didn't understand that what I was doing was right or wrong or that, or that there was um, like beauty or worship or um, just, just as I say in the book, just as there's death in life and the power of the tongue, there's death in life and the power of the touch. And so I didn't really start thinking about these things until I, um, in 2015, I had a series of what, what my therapist calls um, big T traumas. Uh, and one of them was watching a, a shooting up close and pers- personal. Like it was right outside my office window. And it was very traumatic for me. And I I really struggled to understand why it was so traumatic for me. Uh, it seemed to be more traumatic for me than some of the other people in our office who had seen it. Um, and as time went on, I realized like I... I had also seen two other very traumatic deaths. I saw my brother was killed in an accident uh, when I was 19. And when I was 15, I had also seen someone die in a very traumatic um, way. It's a long story, but uh, most people don't see three humans um, Mm -hmm. that play out in front of us in, in that kind of big way. And, and I had, and they all kind of caught up with me in 2015. And I, that sort of sent me down a spiral of just a realization that I had really neglected to care for my body, um, my own body. I'd neglected to, to think about embodiment. I'd neglected to think about how God cared about every part of my body. He cared about my brain. He cared about my hands. He cared about my heart. Um, and I think from there that led to thinking about what, how do Christians operate around the subject of like self-care? I think that's a really hot topic right now. And Christians can either be very sort of poo-poo about it, like that doesn't matter, you know, <laughs> we're not going to have these bodies forever, or we can just totally obsess about them. And I don't know about in your context, but in Dallas, Texas, where I live, like everyone's beautiful because everyone is working out obsessively and eating certain way and go, like just obsessed with taking care of their bodies and so I just those were kind of the thoughts that sort of trickled down and led to um, I want to think about this stuff in a way that I've never thought about it before and 
um, I guess as a writer, the way to think about it is to write about it. And uh, Flannery O'Connor said, I don't know what I think about something until I write about it. So <laughs> that's kind of what I did. I think in Canada, that's that's also true. I think mm. it's a little more hidden, uh, partly because of winter. <laughs> and like people are not hibernate like for six hibernating for six months of the year and um yeah. uh they're not out like running on trails and stuff in the same way or if they are they're covered up <laughs> with lots of clothing yeah. Uh, um but yeah totally there is an obsession with like perfection of our bodies and and uh i feel that even myself uh, i think we we all feel it that's I think that from the very first sin, we see what did Adam and Eve, their response to that was to be naked and ashamed and to hide. And so we're all trying to like, we're all trying to cover up our nakedness. We're all trying to cover up our weaknesses in the places where we feel exposed. So that's not, that isn't a geographic thing or a generational Mm -hmm. thing. That's a humanity thing. Mm -hmm. And I think that's part of why we don't, practice or think about touch because we don't want to be we don't want to be felt we don't want to be revealed we don't want to tell the truth with our bodies yeah i uh i have a curiosity question um like i'll get to it in a second for me touch caroline's laughing at me always with the curiosity questions yeah for me touch became like something i talked about with my wife um hashtag dawn is awesome when we had kids uh Mm -hmm. because like uh she was super affectionate with our kids and and affectionate with me and other things and i was like wow i i like she would go to rub my back or rub the kids back and i'm like why are you doing that and so i remember a conversation i had with my mom in the car saying mom did you rub my back when we were kids and she looked at me super confused and she was like like when you had gas I'm like no she's like i don't understand what you mean i'm like that's okay you just answered my question <laughs> and uh coming to realize that we weren't touched as kids and and so i'm curious here's the curiosity question when did you start thinking about touch and its ramifications and all of those things were you always thinking about that or is this a a 2015 kind of thing yeah yeah so i also got married in 2015 wow. and okay. I, my husband a busy is year you know, it was those are only two of the things that happened here. It was a very <laughs> it was a challenging year for us. Not because of marriage. Marriage is a real gift, but my husband uh grew up in a home where there was not a lot of touch. And um he had been married previously and there was no touch in that marriage except for sexual touch. And so when we got married, I was really confused because I was, you know, I'd gone thirty four years um mostly being touched and touching other people just for a simple platonic comfort um and here was this man who i'm now married to who didn't really want to touch or engage in touch in any way unless it was leading to sex and that was really confusing and very disorienting for me because i thought i'm married now we can touch all the time and he just did not want to touch and so it took a lot of conversations and I think that's when I started the seeds of this started kind of happening for me was just thinking we are all coming to life, whatever the story that we're living, we're all coming with like a different story and a different experience. And that's framing whether we 
want it to or not. That's framing how we think about how we handle people or don't handle them. Um, and so, for instance, your mom came from a different story than you came from, and your wife came from a different story. Your kids are going to come from a different story, and that's going to frame how we see. And so, I think it's it's you know, have you ever been in a conversation where you're you're talking about the same, you're using the same word, but you're you have two totally different definitions in mind. I think that's what I realized with this is like we're we, we are talking past each other in these conversations because we're just not stopping and thinking about the many layers that are involved in what it means to give someone a simple back rub. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I really like that in the beginning of the book, you kind of immediately right away give these three categories of touch um, and understand them from the giving and receiving as well too. Um, so why do you think it's so important that we kind of understand what are the categories of touch that we're talking about here? And especially when it comes to abuse, because I really love the way that you're very gentle and being like, if this is happening, this is abuse, like God hates abuse. And I think to have that in such a book that's talking about touch that, you know, talks about um, purity culture, like that is such a powerful thing that's not, unfortunately, it's really sad that it's not categories enough of like, this is abuse. Like I we want to be gentle in saying like this is not right and god hates that and so why is it so important then that we categorize touch to under like have this basic framework of touch i think we all are looking for definitions right we're all looking for like we're all, i think um I, I think kurt thompson said this i'm not sure if he origin if, if the phrase originated with him but he's a he's a psychotherapist who wrote the soul of shame Hmm. Um, it's just a fabulous thinker. You guys should have him on the show. Um, yeah, I'm intrigued now. So okay. yeah, shame. I think it's one of the best books that I've read in the past couple of years. I'm but make he a said, note of that. "Oh wow, yeah." He <laughs> says we're all coming into the world looking for someone looking for us, and so um, I think that we are we are in that we are looking for. Um, we're looking for someone who gets us and understands us. And mostly what we're looking for is like a definition. We're looking for someone to be clear about what they're doing, why they're doing it. Um, and that's that's everywhere from, we don't even know it. It's so subconscious for most of us. We, mm -hmm. It's, you know, we're looking for someone, even at the grocery store, we're looking for people to just be clear about what they're doing or not doing. We don't want to be lied to or humans. And so I think it, was important for me to be clear about those categories of, of sexual touch, platonic touch, and professional touch, um, and where they can turn abusive, and um, and how they can be abusive even without even intent to be abusive. I think that that's something that's not talked about as well. Um, and so, and these are really, really, it requires a lot of nuance to talk about these things, and no one can tell you what like if you feel harmed, someone can't say, "Well, I didn't, I didn't mean harm you." It. Yeah, yeah. Like it does. It your intent and the outcome are they're so closely tied to one another, um, and yet very different sort of things for people. And so we just need to be careful. That's why it's called handle with care. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's a great title, by the way. Yeah. And the even the illustration on the front, so great. <laughs> Uh, I was going to say a good friend of ours, a uh, friend of the show, uh, says a phrase, I don't know where she got it, 
uh, good intentions don't sanitize uh, bad outcomes. And uh, that's really stuck with me. And it, it like, I, I mull that over often. Cause like for the most part, probably 99% of us don't have bad intentions when mm. we, when we go to, to speak or to touch or do other things, but it's, it's not always like bad outcomes can happen. And so one question I have is why is it so confusing uh, to touch appropriately? And like, I, I know you talk about body language and touch language in the book. And I would just wonder like, what, like why is it so frigging confusing? <laughs> I think because most of us don't. And I, I mean, I'm just, I just told you guys, I'm going to be 40 this year. And I just started thinking about these things five years ago. I think most of us don't stop to think about them or we only are thinking reactively we're not thinking um theologically we're not we're not we don't want to to be honest like one of the one of the the um the most feedback that i'm getting about this book is like i don't want to read that book or that's gonna make me uncomfortable or Mm. um i don't i know i'm gonna be convicted so i don't want to start it it's it's been really interesting to hear that because i think it is it is an uncomfortable topic it is hard to think about these things and i think there is like once you see you can't unsee and um and that's my hope really that once you see you can't unsee and you you start to be more thoughtful around these things but i just think it's uncomfortable because we don't think about it or we've just been navigating the world most of us are navigating the world so reactively right now um and it's it takes real discipline to sit down and think about it um and think about it in not a legalistic way but think about it in a in a yeah like a, like I said, a theological way mm-hmm. yeah and speaking of theology um you give some wonderful examples at the beginning of you know, different ways that we see touch modeled by Jesus. Um, especially the one that always stays with me is, you know, the unclean quote unquote woman who reaches out and touches him and is healed. And that's such a beautiful image of, you know, the unclean versus the clean and pure with Jesus. And so what do you like, I obviously we've read it, so we know these answers, (laughs) but, um, for the listeners out there, like, what does God say about the body and touch and how have you kind of experienced God as you understand more about body and more about touch i think i never know how to answer this question because i'm like where do i go i know there's so much please if you could summarize it yeah in two sentences and concise bullet points there are two passages that jumped out at me that i you know i have read a hundred thousand times and never saw before and one was uh, when jesus says love your neighbor as yourself and the other was from Ephesians 5 when Paul is saying uh, that a husband should care for and nourish his wife's body the way he does his own. And I think I was so struck by both of those passages because I just thought, man, we Christians love to talk about how to care for others. And we uh, we essentially are putting the oxygen mask on others before we put it on ourselves. And I mm. think it's so important for us to just recognize we cannot love others unless we in in some way and in the right way love ourselves and i don't mean that in like a you know instagram graphic kind of <laughs> love yourself kind of way but truly begin to see ourselves as created 
um, image bearers of God and to love what he created and to nourish and care for it. And I think the the permission to a husband to love and care for and nourish his wife's body as he does his own is so powerful because I think so many times so much of the abuse we see in marriages is because um, an abuser wasn't healing his own, he wasn't seeking healing for his own brokenness in his own body. And so I just think that that stuck out to me again and again and again, reading through it. We're so fragmented um, as bodies and we just want to care for our minds or our hearts in Christendom and we don't think about our bodies. And again and again in scripture, I'm reading through Leviticus right now and I've I've never loved reading Leviticus before and I've loved it this time because I'm hmm. just seeing um, how attentive God is to like these minute details of the body yeah and that kind of as i was kind of reading through it you talk a little bit about too of you know we're in such a dichotomy when it comes to culture of either especially in Mm -hmm. christianity like i think back to the purity culture that i grew up in and how you know all touch is bad our bodies are evil like don't even think about it um and then we're also kind of faced especially nowadays um of you know love thyself and like love your body it's and you kind of mentioned like in culture nowadays, we treat our bodies as like gods in a sense. And so how do we how do we manage both of those kind of ideas and frameworks and perspectives and actually hold our bodies in the right kind of esteem? Because I feel like I've been navig or trying to navigate that my whole life. Obviously I've, I'm not 40 yet, so I got a long way to go and <laughs> got a lot of work to catch up in, but how do we hold our bodies in the right esteem of, you know, um, broken beings but also we are made in the image of god and that's such a weird cognitive dissonance to kind of wrap your head around i think if you if you're looking for like a practical example one of the things that i say in the book is if i don't sort of stop my work midday and massage my arms i can begin to and like remember i'm i'm just flesh and blood Mm -hmm. i'm just human and I'm not God and I cannot complete the work he has asked me to do until unless I remember that I am not God Um, and that is so that would be like a practical example what are the ways that you can sort of touch your own body to remember um, even things like uh, scratching an itch like does God have itches probably not I wouldn't think I mean Jesus I think did probably but but like just remembering, I'm not God. I'm a created being, um, and I have, um, you know, I I call it crumbling and quaking tendencies that are really difficult to navigate as a body on Earth. So I'd say that that would be where you could start is just to remember, to sort of touch your body and remember that. And I think secondly, just to to look, I think look at Jesus as an embodied being. And not just, he was God, but he was also man. Mm. So begin to look at scripture for the ways that that Jesus was a man. Mm. I mean, they're, they're everywhere in scripture if you start to look for them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely hard to, especially with the purity culture that's come out and to yeah. then read a book like this, it really 
challenges your whole framework of how you viewed yourself and the bodies around you. And I can imagine why that's a lot of people who are like, I don't want to feel convicted because <laughs> this is what I knew and this is what I grew up with. But is that actually the biblical framework um, we should be looking at? Probably not. We're actually supposed to be looking at it in the right esteem that you kind of mentioned. Hmm. Yeah. And I think with purity culture, I, I don't necessarily hit on this for long, but I think um, in chapter nine, I think, where I talk about family, touch within the family. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm talking about like our fathers did what they thought was best from Hebrews 12. And, you know, they disciplined us as they saw fit. That's what Hebrews 12 says. And and I think like when it comes to purity culture, I want to say like, hey, I think in a lot of ways, our parents were just doing the best that they could. Oh, they were sure. just doing what they knew. And that doesn't mean that we have to stay steeped in that. We can, we can, we're far enough out from it now that I think we can, hopefully we're far enough out (laughs) that we can look at it with critical eyes and not, not to criticize the people, but we can look at the material and and critique it. Um, I mean, some of the people who perpetuated it most are critiquing it now. I think of Josh Harris and Mm -hmm. and others who say, man, I I got it wrong and I want to do better and, and I hope, I hope, honestly, I'll be able to say that about this book in a couple of years. I, I hope that I'll be able to say, man, I wish, I mean, I can already say that there's things in this book that I just think, eh, I wish I'd said that better, or I wish I hadn't said that. And I think that's just the nature of being a human. It, that's part of it is that I'm a created thing, so I'm not God. And so I can, mm-hmm. I can own my mistakes and mm-hmm. repent for them and move forward to our listeners as you can tell caroline and i really love this book (laughs) (laughs) but i'm as i've finished reading it the two things i wanted to do is i wanted to go have a bath (laughs) i never bath but i was like oh she talks about it so well i think i should go have a bath i didn't because it was late you should should go have a bath yeah she's telling you gotta listen (laughs) yeah i think i probably will tonight and then the second thing was like i want to go hug someone (laughs) um and uh, so, like, hug my wife, but, uh, you know, coming to work, I'm like, okay, remember the professional touch chapter? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm wondering, do you have, like, uh, insights or pointers or tips for, like, how do we touch others well? Like, how do we approach? So, great, you're excited about, like, loving people with touch and so on. How, how would you, what are kind of the baby steps to help people grow in that? And you're talking about, like, touch outside your family sure sure yeah yeah i think i think the first thing that we need to do before we touch is just to begin to see people as like bodies who bear on them the marks of living in the world and every single person you know i say in the book has a broken bloodline um in some way they're bearing on their bodies and in their bodies the marks of of living in a fractured world and so i think that that should give us a pretty big sense of sobriety around it so it's not that we're not touching everyone because we're afraid of touching them or because we are afraid of false accusations we're careful around touch because we know that they have a story um that's first and then i think second there are all kinds of forms of appropriate touch in a in a professional working relationship, things like a handshake that can be, I think as a woman, I don't know if men experience this, but you know, there are some people who will shake my hand extremely limply. And I just think, (laughs) why are you doing that? And it's because I'm a woman, I guess, or, 
um, some men will will shake it almost too hard to like show power and dom- like domination over something. And I just think, no, we need to learn to like be neutral in those things. I'm not, uh, I don't want to come at someone in a handshake that's too fragile and fearful. I also don't want to come with a domineering handshake. I want to shake firmly. And I think things like side hugs in the church, I think I talk a lot about just like brothers and sisters and the fact that we are family more than we are. We are family before we are um, romantic interests. And so we should be able to hug one another as family. And so just, just sort of rethinking these sort of things we don't think about. Yeah, that's a great word. I think I've, as I, I worked a little bit in an international context in a warm culture where touch was so natural and yes. to come back and my husband is Latino. And so it's a very natural thing. And then to be in a Western culture, um, it's, yeah, it's definitely kind of emotional and physical whiplash in a sense of going from different places of where it touches appropriate and where it isn't. Um, yeah. And I think that's even somewhere where I, like, as I was reading your book, I was like, there's so many people that like probably need the healing power of touch, mm-hmm. probably don't get touched enough. Um, just even as a friend that I could grow in so much. And so I really appreciated just growing in that area. Um, and actually for this next question, I it was from a blog that you wrote recently called Trauma Made Me Do It. And I, wow, that blog just by itself <laughs> was just what I needed. I, uh, I've been recently going through like trauma therapy and stuff like that. And so to kind of wrestle with what you're talking about there, you're talking about the idea of, either people kind of take the stance of I've been hurt and therefore that's why I did it and no responsibility or this is all my fault a victimization but you kind of talk about holding the great sin and the great suffering that you're facing um, with both hands and so my question is kind of how do we wrestle with the great sin and the great suffering that comes with the trauma and comes with how it affects your body Um, I even think about conversations me and Erica have had where I afterwards I'm like oh you know what that was partially my trauma I'm so sorry he's shaking his head in agreement because this probably happens more often than not it's okay you can admit it there's there's grace for that but I want (laughs) I want to hear Lori's answer yeah how do we wrestle with that yeah I think the first thing to recognize is we're all doing it so Mm -hmm. we're doing it by the things we say and by the things we don't say so we're doing it by speaking out of turn but we're also doing it by not speaking up um, in caring ways. So there is death and life in the power of the tongue and there's death and life in you know the power of whatever we're doing. There is sort of that double-sided thing happening. And so we're all doing it in some way. That's, I think, the first thing to notice. Um, I think secondly, it's really hard. Um, and I, you know, I mentioned at the beginning the uh, these traumatic deaths that I saw mm-hmm. um, and how they kind of all caught up at a, at a period of time. And so, you know, one happened when I was 15, one happened when I was 19, and it wasn't until I was 35 that they're all suddenly piling one on top of another. And I think that's the way trauma works, sort of carries dormant if you can't mourn it and properly process it at a point. And so I think when it finally comes up, we're really surprised by it. And that is oftentimes, I think, um, probably one of the hardest things about being traumatized is that you feel like totally blindsided by it when it when it starts sort of 
reckoning in your body and in the way that you respond with others. Um, and so there is this sort of cosmic um, issue of sin that we all deal with. We all are broken by the fall. We're all waiting for the redemption of um, Christ in a full, totally embodied new way. Um, but we are all experiencing different kinds of trauma and have experienced different kinds of trauma and it's coming out sideways for all of us. And I think being made aware of it, like I said earlier, when, when we become aware of something, we can't unsee it. Um, or we can, but it's, it be, we begin to be really fractured as humans. Like we're going to lead it into like dualism as, as humans, because mm -hmm. we, we want to sort of separate our hearts from our bodies and our minds and, and I think the the call for the Christian is to become fully formed. It's to become a whole image bearer um, and a reflection of Christ as much as we can here on earth. That's the call for, for every Christ follower. And part of that is to become formed as a body, as a mind, as a heart, as a spirit, all those things together. And that's a really complicated answer because I think it's a really complicated issue. And I think if you find yourself in that position where you're realizing, and I'm, my actions are coming out sideways right now. Um, and I think they're coming out sideways, not just because I'm a sinner, but because I have some trauma in my, in my past. Um, I, I, it's so easy to say, get help, get into trauma therapy, but it's so hard to find that kind of help. I, mm -hmm. I don't know if it's easier in Canada than it is in the U.S., but right now our healthcare system is kind of a mess, and it's, it is really hard to find that help when mm -hmm. you need it. I think hopefully a local church is a, a, a good starting place to get referred out to, to who can help you, but I think finding help is, is a good place to start there. Do you think that, uh, so one of the things that I've noticed, you know, I'm also 40 and, uh, hey. and I've noticed some things about my relationship with God that it, like I've been a Christian for, you know, since I was a little, little kid and like I hear like God speaks to me through his word and, and like in other ways I can like I often have pictures in my mind, I see things. So like I, I can see with my eyes, I can hear with my ears and, but like, I do not feel the touch of God. And so do you think, uh, so one of the ways that I'm thinking about touch is, is like the body of Christ has a responsibility to be the hands of, of Christ in that way. Do you think that there's like a, a greater responsibility for the church to, to like be touching in, in appropriate ways uh, uh, in that way. Yeah, so one of the things that's really drawn us to, so my background is not in Anglicanism at all. Um, grew up in a Mennonite context, uh, went to charismatic context, then have been in a Reformed Baptist context for the past 10 years. Um, and the, the things that were drawing me into Anglicanism was the embodiment that I saw present there. So um the 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 touch that's involved in taking communion receiving communion um that happens there um the blessing that the 
pastor gives to us when we come up, you know, we just had Ash Wednesday and, you know, the, the ashes are placed on my forehead with, by his hands. Um, during the service, we pass the peace. And so we are shaking the hands and, and hugging multiple people around us. And um, so I think in all these sort of acts of the body of Christ, we, those are meant to remind us that we're bodies. They're meant to remind us, you know, to dust you came and to dust you'll return. And they're all, but they're also there to remind us that like, we're more than bodies. And I talk about this in the last chapter, we are, we are going to something. We are, we are not this broken body forever. And the, the actions of other believers in the context of the local church are there to point us to a future truth as well. Through the act of baptism, you know, dipping someone down in the waters and raising them up to walk in the newness of life and just all of these things. These are the, the things that we do as Christians. That should be a part of, I think, the local church context. Mm. Wow, that really kind of changes your like your perspective on how certain uh rituals and stuff like that and how important it is to bring touch to it like i'd never really thought about the fact that you know ash wednesday putting the ash on the forehead that's touch and that's healing in a sense um yeah i went to my first ash wednesday service i heard this year no, it's so important for us to be reminded of mm-hmm. that bodies. and i think I've, I've been a part of a really large church and um I realized at one point I, and this is nothing against the church, it's just me personally. I realized I can walk into this church every single week and sit down and place as much place, you know, space between me and another person as I want. And I can walk out and never touch another human. It's so easy. And I think in the context in which I'm in now, like you can't do that. Like you're, you know, you're moving around, you're kneeling during the service, you're standing up, you're leaning over, you're passing peace, you're getting into line, you're just all these things um, that are just constantly through every part of the hour and a half that you're there. You're just reminded again and again and again, like not five minutes goes by without some kind of reminder. Oh, I'm a body. I'm human. Yeah. And I guess that kind of brings us to the next kind of the ending portion of every episode that we do is we talk about, you know, what does the church do poorly? What does it do well when it comes to the conversation? Specifically for this one, it's about touch and the body. We usually like to start with the poorly so we can end a, a bit more on a positive note. But yeah, I'm really curious as to what you think the church is doing poorly when it comes to the conversation about touch and the body. And I'm really curious specifically, how can we as the church body improve about around the conversation of abuse, especially? This is hard. I, I really struggled to find resources while I was writing. <laughs> That's okay. It was, it was impossible almost for me to find particularly resources from the church. Mm-hmm. And so I think the church has not, to be honest, done a lot of good thinking. And I, I'm not even saying, I, I say again and again in the book, like my hope is this would be the start of a conversation, not the end of it. Mm-hmm. Because I, I don't, I'm not it's not, I'm not the expert on the subject, um, but I hope it begins a conversation. Um, so I just think even the fact that you want to talk about these subjects on this podcast is so great. I think that's a, that's a good starting place to be willing to talk about it. Um, I think what the church has done well, I, I think particularly in sort of uh, with church fathers and historic Christianity, they do have a really, I think, robust theology of the body. Um, we just don't, we're not reading a lot of it. Um, and so I think in some ways we do need to be reading that stuff. Um, but also we need Christians 
now uh, contemporary thinkers who are sort of reframing perhaps or recontextualizing those that material for Christians today. And I tried to do that as like inconspicuously as possible in the book, um, just to, you know, not, you know, throw anyone off by quoting church fathers, but just to kind of say, hey, like there is a way to think about these things that is like historic and um, it's not in, from left field, you know, it's good. And I think the church just needs to do better about that in that sense. And um, and so then I don't, that kind of answers what's the church doing poorly and and well. I think, I think what the church is doing well I don't know if you guys heard about the tornadoes that just happened in Nashville. Yeah, we did. Um, and it's just been, it seems that every time there's a catastrophe like this, you just see people, particularly from the church, just coming out of the woodwork and serving and loving and being the hands and feet of Jesus in a very literal sense. And I think that is, the church does really well under crisis, I think, Um and my hope is that they would do really well under the crisis of abuse that we are. I don't know if they will, but my hope is they would do really well under this crisis. Mm. Hmm. Lots to think about there. As always. Yeah, as always. <laughs> like it, we've, We feel very privileged and honored to be a part of these conversations, right? Like we, we are not experts ourselves either. And We're so... Not? I'm shocked. <laughs> Very much not. And so we we really appreciate that's totally our we have such a, a, a like minded spirit of like wanting to start conversations and not be the final word. So yeah, this has I been love that. it's been wonderful. So on every episode we we give our guests the last word. And so uh, so the last word uh, No pressure at all. No pressure. It, it can be related to touch in the body. It can be related to something you're learning or a book or it can be anything. Um, so uh, we'd love to give you the final word. Thanks. I, I, I guess I would just say like, be really tender with yourself as you um, wrestle with these topics. These are, these are, I think so many topics in the church that we wrestle with are sort of exterior topics. They're things that either don't affect us personally or they're sort of just ideas that we're reckoning with. But this is our body. Like this is our sort of first home, you know, our skin. And we need to be really careful and really tender and and really slow about about thinking through these things. And um, so just be careful. I think that's that would be my last word to people. Don't rush into these things. Don't quick change is usually not good change. So mm. almost like you should handle it with care. Oh, with my. oh that was oh terrible, my Caroline. I can't. <laughs> I can't Caroline even. Has the last word. <laughs> no, no, cut it out. There, it's Lori. Lori has the last word. <laughs> that was a terrible joke. I'm so sorry. Oh, it wasn't. It was a great joke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So if you haven't picked up the hand already, go buy Lori's book. It is a delight. Uh, it was so great to talk about this. And and one thing I want to say is that you have such a sweet spirit uh, in conversation. And so I, I really appreciate that. So thank you so much, Lori, for being on the show with us today. Thanks for having me. And we'll catch everyone on another episode of Undiscussed. <laughs>